Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We're excited to be here again with another interview. Yes, it's a little hectic around Consummate Athlete HQ right now. I'm not going to lie, but I am super excited about this episode. We have lawyer Ian Brisbane of VeloLaw.ca back on the podcast, and we are talking about all things basically bike law, which you know is kind of a, a grim topic, to be totally honest, but I think it is such a necessary one if you're someone who's riding outside a lot, who is on the roads. Uh, it's just really important to know both what your rights are, but also, uh, you know, kind of your best best practices for what to do if you are, whether you're involved in an incident with a driver or the cops or pretty much any other kind of, uh, you know, person to person like, situation. To rebel, the cops, like uh, the cops. You mean the police? I I do get into that a little bit with the animal. Right. My my background, my my background as a punk kid makes this a really like Super awkward cat, conversation. Like, police yeah. hating. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's also the whole issues around which I'm not sure if you got into them or not, but around sort of stop signs and rolling we stops talk and, about that, uh, yeah. you know, what, are, what are the laws and the different things that are, uh, governing our, our cycling? Well, we're certainly in a, a tricky situation as cyclists because we both want, tra- uh, you know, drivers to, you know, follow all of the rules of the road, but then, you know, where do we fall on the, what is it? The Iowa stop? Do you roll through the stop sign? Do you stop at every stoplight? Uh, so there's definitely a, a bit of nuance there. And I think it's it's really a fascinating conversation and honestly, just such an important one to have and continue to have. And we talk about what, you know, advocacy looks like in this space and kind of all of these different things. Uh, and the other thing we do talk about is uh, we have these great little PDF ID cards, basically, that Ian helped us come up with that have sort of, here's the information that you should have on hand. Uh, you know, you can print it out, stick it in your saddlebag. So that way, if you do, God forbid, get in any kind of accident, uh, you kind of have that because a big part of the issue that he sees is that people are kind of in shock when something happens and you're not necessarily going to respond or like think of all of the things you need to do. So this card has sort of the steps you should be taking uh, as well as, you know, here's all of your critical information that you can have to to share around. So I think it's, it's a really, really important thing to have on hand because we're not all thinking, uh, at a hundred percent when something happens. Sure. And those are things that often, you know, your insurance company will give you those for your car, but exactly. then, you, know, you might not have that on the bike. Yeah. So this is just a really neat little quick printable. So you can find that over on the show notes. Yeah. Uh, those are at consummateathlete.com or just pull up the show notes wherever you're listening to this or watching this. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hi, we're back. Very exciting. Uh, all right. With that said, let's get into this episode with Ian Brisbane. Enjoy. All right. Consummate Athlete back with Ian Brisbane of VeloLaw.ca. Ian, how is it going? It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Um, it's um, I can never figure out if a hot minute is a short minute or a long minute, but it's been, uh, but it's been a minute. So it's, um, you know what, the I've, I've adopted that uh, everything that truly matters is good. Perfect. That's what something. we like to hear. That's what we exactly. like to hear. Exactly. All right. I'm delighted to be back, though. Oh, I'm so glad to have you back because last time, you know, we had, we got through a few questions all about the law and bikes, but I feel like we we definitely needed a part two. So now we're finally back with that. Uh, for the people who didn't hear part one, though, let's just have like the quick refresh, who you are, how you got into 
both the the cycling and the law give us the 30 second elevator pitch on how all of this has coalesced. Uh, I got into cycling the same way a lot of us did, which is um, it was my first taste of freedom as a kid. Um, and then uh, probably like an awful lot of people got away from it in the course of my, you know, uh, young adulthood, I suppose. Uh, I owe a, a very long standing friend um, who needs to remain nameless because he's become very important in the interim. Uh, to, who introduced me to mountain biking when we were in law school together. And um, that was really when everything sort of started for me. And I haven't really looked back. It's um, it's become an important part of who I am, honestly. And, um, and the ability to be able to dovetail that with my legal practice is, um, you know, I always say I, I, I relish the opportunity to put myself out of business. I'd, I'd rather that these things weren't needed at all. But if they have to be, um, I, I've got um, I, I've got all sorts of experience um, from you know everything from being struck by a driver to uh, to all the legal stuff. So um, so that's essentially that's essentially it. Love it. And okay, I want to hone in on what you just said, which is the struck by a driver. And I know I didn't have this on the list of questions, but it's funny. I was literally just writing a piece for Bicycling Today, uh, a news piece, and. It actually had the headline of uh, Jumbo Visma rider in car accident. And when I saw that headline this morning, I was like, oh my gosh, like why are all of the cycling publications saying in a car accident? Like what is wrong with them? Like, don't they know better? And then I clicked on it and I was like, oh my God, he actually was in a car accident. He was driving a car. Okay. That okay. one makes yeah. sense. That one's okay. Uh, but why no does, why does the terminology matter? Like talk to me through the struck by a driver accident versus crash i think that's just such an important point to get across first it's it's really not very complicated um accident um implicitly suggests in inevitability um you know i mean how how long have we heard you know accidents will happen you know and and nobody's perfect which of course nobody's perfect is true uh so essentially what we what we do is we say because people are imperfect um, we need to create the conditions that take that imperfection and at the very least render it uh, to not be fatal uh, or serious injury. Um, so that's a big piece of it is just sort of getting people away from the idea that accidents are just kind of they just kind of happen and they're not really anybody's fault. Um, but um, but they it's it's not a matter of fault. It's a matter of just making sure that people understand that cyclists are people and that we want the same thing that every driver wants, which is to get home and um, and that and that we're entitled to that. So and that, that's also true when we talk about um, hit by a car, um, you know, a car accident, that sort of thing. It, it's um, it's passive language. And, and we all know how the, uh, I was gonna say the power of passive language, but of course it's the exact opposite. Um, and the example that I always like to, to use is, um, it's, you know, a trigger warning, but um, if someone's stabbed, we don't say stabbed with a knife. Um, they're stabbed by an assailant, they're stabbed by a person. It's a, it's a person's action, inaction, mistake, whatever the case may be. So. The, I think the, the point is to 
um, to to essentially emphasize to people that we all have agency. We're all making choices when we drive, and we need to be uh, we need to be alive to the responsibility that goes along with that. Absolutely, and it's interesting as we were as you were just saying that. I kept thinking about the fact that self-driving cars are becoming more of a thing. So there is actually like the language becomes even more important because in a couple of years, there could be a genuine difference between struck by a car and struck by a driver. Yeah. Because yep. they're like, now you have self-driving cars and they actually are the thing that did the thing. Well, the irony here, I mean, I, 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 of course, you know, as a lawyer, yeah, I say language matters. Of course it does. Uh, so it's all about our ability to uh, to communicate clearly and effectively and to make sure that we're getting the message across that we want people to hear. Um, and uh, so that, that self-driving car thing, yeah, that's a whole other issue because, of course, they're very good at spotting cars. They're not so good at spotting cyclists and pedestrians. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully we've got more than a couple of years for uh, before that sort of thing gets rolled out on a, a significant basis. But as the status quo goes, um, we are, as uh, twas ever thus, um, uh, we're at the mercy of people. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and at this point, the the key importance is to focus people's attention upon us um, and our attention on people. Yes, exactly. So that leads into the first question I really wanted to ask you, which is just like, give me the, you know, the too, too long didn't read version of like what rights cyclists have on the road. Because I think, I know I tend to kind of approach road riding these days as honestly very fearfully. Because I genuinely am concerned that somehow like drivers like seem to less and less feel as though cyclists are human and actually have the same rights as them. Might just be my perception, might just be me, get, me getting older and like realizing that I'm mortal. I don't know. <laughs> You're exposing your experience there with in two ways with that question. First of all, uh, you've obviously interviewed me before. So, you know, with the too long didn't read, you're saying, Ian, for the love of God, tighten this up. Uh, <laughs> But the the other point is the the fact that um, I rather suspect you do know that there is data that says exactly that, that says that drivers see cyclists as less than human. And and, and quite frankly, it's it's um, it's an ugly thing to say. And it's something that I find often gets um, uh, gets really, um, you know, strong reactions when I say it. But. You know, the the fact is that um, that we're seen as um, less than human and that we are lives on bikes are just not as important as lives in cars. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing just, you know, sitting around the dinner table, talking to friends about even riding up up in Collingwood, where we are like a very bike friendly community. You know, the number of stories you hear about drivers that are, you know, coming, they're going up a hill where there's like a, it's a blind top and they're, you know, honking at riders that are, you know, not in the way, but they just can't easily pass them because there could be a car coming over the top that would also hit that. Like, it's mind boggling how. Well, in a, in a place like Collingwood, that's a great example. The, the other example that always comes to mind for me is Tucson, which is in a lot of ways as a cyclist paradise, you know, in terms of climbing, in terms of flats, in terms of uh, separated infrastructure now with the loop. Um, but that is a city where you see bikes all the time, uh, whether training, whether riding, whether running errands. Um, 
everybody's a cyclist. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, returning cans to the to the beer store. If you're on a bike, you're a cyclist. And um, and but the thing is, is that even with all of those bikes down there and so much infrastructure, a lot of it being paint, but also some separated. It's been a while since I've been there, but every time I'm there, I'm always really struck by just how many cyclist fatalities there are are there. And, and I acknowledge it's a numbers game, I suppose, but at the same time, man, you really can't, um, as a driver, say I wasn't expecting to see a bike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so as cyclists, we have the right to, you know, not get murdered by drivers. That's that that should be pretty pretty understood. <laughs> you, I, yeah, that's think. a good foundation for us to build from. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, like flip side, I do think it is important as cyclists to acknowledge like we do have to also be you know smart about how we are approaching riding. If we are you know in this like we're riding a lot of hours a week, like we're putting ourselves in these vulnerable positions. And you know, I will caveat this with like obviously, if you're riding on the road, it is not your fault if you get struck by a car that just should not be happening, but we can, you know, protect ourselves and make sure we're like putting, giving ourselves the best chance of making it home. Uh, My cynicism creeps out right at the beginning, you know, when you talk about having the right not to be murdered, because I do honestly believe, not legal advice, um, that cyclists, people on bikes, whatever nomenclature you'd like to use, um, if you wanted to murder somebody, wait till they're on a bike. I honestly believe that. And and it's uh, that's not a joke, um, because the fact is the presumption is going to be accidents happen. And, yep, and the second um, one is going to be were they wearing a helmet? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Were Yeah. Were they wearing, uh, uh, you know, a, a helmet when, uh, you know, they were hit by an armored truck or something, uh, you know, or a, a driver of an armored truck, of course. But, you know, honestly, this is one of those one of those topics that I'm I, I'm always a little bit hesitant uh, to, to dip into too far. And that's because there are a lot of cycling advocates out there, um, who, uh, I respect a ton. Okay. There, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of good work. There are cyclists and cycling advocates who say, I have a right to wear headphones. I have a right not to wear a helmet. I have a right to wear dark colors. And all of those things are true. They just are. I take a very, and I understand why that can be a big point to concede, because, you know, you're trying to avoid victim blaming, of course, and and exactly the phenomenon that you just said, you know, was he wearing mm-hmm. a helmet or was he wearing a helmet? And uh, I honestly look at it and I say that um, I should not have to be a martyr for a cause and no one should. And so um, my, my take is that uh, there's something I've come to refer to as rule one. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the only rule that matters when you're on a bike. You can talk about Highway Traffic Act um, limitations and, and restrictions and so on and so on. But at the end of the day, there's only, like I said before, if there's, you've only got one job when you're out on a bike and that's to get home. And that is to do whatever it takes to get home. And if that happens to break laws, if that happens to inconvenience people and draw honks or whatever the case may be, too bad. 
um, because we have to look out for ourselves. We owe it to our families. We owe it to ourselves to take reasonable steps to protect ourselves. That doesn't mean that um, it's it's a legitimate argument to say, well, um, that adult cyclist uh, that I hit with my car um, wasn't wearing a helmet. It would have been all different. Um, that will not that will not wash. Okay, that that will not that dog will not hunt. So, um, but me, um, my attitude. You know, I, I I've spoken to you about this before. You, I used to be one of those people who said, you know what, I want to look as good as I can. So I got the shoes that have got the accents that fit the kit that you know match the bike, and then I had this nice white helmet with these nice blue accents, the Team Sky, blah blah blah. Um, and then one day I said, why am I doing this? Because I don't want to look good. I want people to look at me and say, holy crap, what's that? <laughs> so this, this, the color is, is it, it's traffic cone orange. And that's exactly the point is I want to do everything that will give all drivers every possible opportunity to see me, even if it's a matter of saying, oh my God, that's ugly. I don't happen to think it's ugly, but you know, your mileage may vary. So yes, um, I, I, I believe in doing all of the things, um, you know, you see people riding with, um, you know, there's a, a young woman riding across Canada for, um, uh, to raise money for youth mental health initiatives, uh, who is just going to be finishing up on Friday, I believe doing Digby to Halifax in a day, which will be something, but, um, she's got a, a pool noodle off the side of her bike. You know, there's your one meter. Mm -hmm. Which you know? I love. I mean, I probably wouldn't do it, you know, going out to do intervals. But you know what? If yep. you're toting all of your stuff on your bike, like, you're damn right I'm putting a pool noodle on. Yep. Rule one. And, and it's also going to make a driver say, what is that? And maybe they'll look and that maybe they'll say, oh, I had no idea. Um, so, I mean, that said, things happen um, not, not so much by accident, but, you know, for the most part, I really do believe that people are good. I believe that people do make mistakes. And that is the message that I, that I have sort of turned when I'm doing public speaking and such to drivers is, um, forget about the, forget about the person on a bike. Okay. You know, you're going to feel, you're going to, you know, they're, yes, they're dead, their family's grieving, all that stuff. But you don't even need to go there. Even if you are so self-centered and so selfish as to say, you, you don't need that kind of experience in your life. That is something that will forever change you. You might, you know, un until you've walked in those shoes, you cannot imagine what that weight is like. I see it when I'm examining drivers all the time. I've seen people... Um, who are just shells of people and have not driven since, have moved away, that sort of thing. So I again, often think about that because like, I mean, most of us, most people listening to this podcast do drive. So I think, you know, sure. we're both taught, you know, we're talking as cyclists, but like, we're also drivers. So I think even yep. listening to the show, this discussion here from the lens of a driver, I think is super important because what would you say? It's probably like 99% of deaths that occur, you know, from a driver to a cyclist 
are not intentional. Like occasionally you hear about like the road ragey ones. Those are the ones that get the most media play, but most of them are just distracted driving, just not paying attention. And I, I think about that often, like the, I can't even fathom having that on your conscience for the rest of your life. So anytime I'm like even thinking about like touching the car play when I'm driving, that's what I think about. There's nothing a court can do to you that's worse than that. You know, exactly. and, and and so um, so that to me is is one of the things that we that we need to emphasize. And and um, you know, ultimately, your comment about about um, drivers being cyclists and cyclists being drivers is absolutely true. There's no need for us to be defined by how it is we choose to get around. You know, some people don't like the term cyclist uh, and say. Well, a cyclist um, gives you the, you know, the the mammal, you know, the middle-aged male in Lycra uh, image. And, uh, you know, it's the weekend warrior or, or whatever. And it is very white and very male. Um, again, like I said before, I, to me, a cyclist is a cyclist is a cyclist. And um, uh, so, you know, again, that's nomenclature and, and people's opinions will, will vary. But um, but ultimately, we need to personalize this and to make people realize that, you know, and, and lots of good people have done marketing and tried to emphasize this, but it's it, it just doesn't stick that that's a person, that's a father, that's a sister, that's a co-worker, that's all of those things. And uh, the, um, again, the definition of a person by how we choose to get around our cities makes no sense to me. Yes, absolutely. I will apologize for the background noise. We've got some tile being sawed here. <laughs> oh, that's good news. Yeah, right. Very exciting for us. Um, um, but anything that moves the project forward. Exactly, exactly. But uh, while we're talking about that, uh, you know, I do think it is still smart for cyclists, if not for safety, even just for their own enjoyment of the ride, even just for like not dealing with you know aggressive cops. It's a wise decision to know what your rules in your area are. So can you just talk about like where people can find out, like where they can find what the heck their, you know, obligations are as cyclists in their area? Because so often you hear about people getting pulled over for riding two abreast and they're like, well, I didn't know. It's not like, you know, we have speed limit signs on the, the road, but rarely do you have a sign that's like, no, two abreast cyclists. Yes. Yeah, um, I saw how gently you steered me back to the topic, and I appreciate that uh, that heads up. So, like, that was very gentle yet firm. So, thank you. It's like I'm a professional. <laughs> it's almost like you do this for a living. Yeah. Um, yes. The the lion's share, and by that I mean the vast vast majority of our rights and responsibilities. And to me, those two words are, are, are dovetailed. I can't have one without the other are summarized in the Highway Traffic Act, of course. And so that's where you'll find the vast majority of, you'll find things um, about uh, mandatory equipment that's, that uh, need to be on bikes. Uh, you'll find, um, uh, you know, obviously uh, legislation of general application. You know, you can't blast through red lights, um, that sort of thing. The one thing you won't find is speeding a bike. And that's because there isn't any. Uh, if, if you read the act, there's uh, there are definitions between vehicles, motor vehicles, um, drivers, motorists, and and all these terms mean something. So you know, and and that leads to the the next issue, which is okay if it's not in the Highway Traffic Act, where is it? 
And that is something that almost invariably is going to fall in city bylaws. Um, so, for example, we've all uh, heard a great deal, uh, and I remember speaking to you a couple of years ago about the about the uh, infamous um, High Park issue. Um, it might not be a popular take of mine, um, uh, but the fact is, it's against the bylaw. It's against the bylaw that thou shalt not speed over 20 kilometers an hour on a bike, skateboard, you know, like make way for ducklings or other things with wheels um, in a park. And um, is that good policy? People can differ on, but there's a mechanism side of that. And, and to me, that is what I see my role in cycling advocacy is to be, is to, is to be a voice and make those arguments in the right place. So when you're talking about uh, the two abreast issue, that that's one that's tricky because um, I've been in groups that have been pulled over. Um, police officers don't know, you know, they're they're they will cite the Highway Traffic Act, and you know, and some you know smart mouth lawyer will pipe up from the back saying, "Guess again," um, because it you'll find it in bylaws, and um, that you know that gets tricky when you're talking about, for example, here in Halton. You've got two tiered municipalities. You've got two different levels that are capable of legislating. Um, so that said, most cities will have a link on their website to frequently cited bylaws. So that's where people who are you know, having noise infractions or something like that would typically go to. Um, almost invariably, you'll find something about cycling in there. And if not, just run a search on on bicycles, bicyclists, whatever combination permutation, and uh, and you'll and you'll find out. Or, you know, pick up the phone, call the bylaw folks. Yeah, and this is such a great piece of advice for someone who's running like a group ride in an area. Like it's so worth knowing that because I can't imagine anything worse than being you know a ride leader and having your group get pulled over and having no idea how to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and the, the traditional way to avoid that is that most everywhere that has a ban on to a breast cycling is um, there's an exception for passing. So that's where your rotating pace lines come into play. You may just be passing very slowly, but you're passing. Um, and um, so that's 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 one way that that really experienced cyclists deal with that. Um it's me, the, the way to, that we all should deal with that is by advocating and by lobbying, because we all know that passing two cyclists abreast is safer than passing two cyclists nose to tail. Um, I can understand why drivers uh, would be uh, a bit perhaps irritated by that. But again, drivers, rule one, we want to make sure that everyone gets home. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. There were two points you brought up in that answer that I want to click on. One is you mentioned the, if you get stopped, sometimes there's a lawyer in the back that's going to raise his hand and say something, but what, mm, what is the, assuming we're not lawyers, uh, what is the smart way to deal with getting pulled over on the bike? Like what are, what are our actual obligations? How do we handle the situation? It's a tricky one, especially coming from this, yeah. like, you know, very like, uh, you know, anarcho-punk kid from my youth where, you know, the, the temptations, you know, like to throw a beer bottle and like run away kind of thing. Like yep, that yep. was my teen years. So 
that's that's probably one that's best left in the past yeah, um, yeah. To, be, to, to be clear i never did that i might have like run or like through an alley or something at some point in time not saying i did pleading the fifth on that one but so it's know. like the you know it's like the smart mouth lawyer you know you you may not be that person but you've you've heard of it happening um yeah that that is um you know often you're never going to go wrong with common sense you know um now okay but let's be clear most people don't have that especially when they've you know been doing an ftp test and suddenly they're pulled okay or like on any group ride where everyone is pinned and then suddenly you get pulled over and now everyone's like there's a lot happening or god forbid you're in the middle of an ftp test and you're killing it um so (laughs) officer could you just 10 minutes up the road i'll meet you there um you're you're right there's and that's where i was i was going to conclude with is, is there's not unfortunately there's nothing less common than common sense the um pure and simple you know that is you 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 know you are not going to change minds you're not going to change hearts and minds on the side of the road uh the sooner you can get in and out of that conversation by saying as little as possible uh the better um, and if for some reason the ticket is uh, flawed or or there's something that uh, the officer was mistaken about something, that's something to deal with in, in the cool light of day. Um, not like you say when emotions and, uh, and your maximum heart rate is running high. Um, now, obviously, everybody knows that we are under no obligation to speak with police. Uh, um, there are exceptions that uh one of which is as a driver you have to hand over your driver's license and proof of insurance and registration when uh, when it's requested by a, a peace officer um cyclists obviously i would like to think um don't have driver's licenses um unless they do um but we are not under obligation to show id we are under obligation to identify ourselves and tell the truth um do not make up uh do not make up a fake name do not give a fake address it happens all the time and it doesn't end well um so essentially um cooperate you know it's it 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 will bother um you know like you say your heart will sink and you're just like you know a man i'm you know um I'm given in to the authority of the state and all that sort of thing. But especially when we consider that not everyone's experience with the police is like mine. And, um, and so that interaction, the more, the more cordial, the more um, uh, innocent and the shorter it can be, the better. Um, And, uh, and get home. Yeah. Back to rule number one. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, have you ever heard of someone fighting their way out of a ticket? Uh, I've heard of someone talking their way out of a ticket, but um, but I've heard of a lot more people talking their way into them. Yeah, um, or into a much higher are, one. Some people are better equipped to talk their way out of things than others. Um, and uh, but but you're right. It's it's we all think we're clever in that setting. We all think there's an explanation. If only they would listen. They won't. <laughs> exactly like they but they pulled you over they really the want to give you that huge oh yeah absolutely yeah 
Okay. And then the other point that you made there that I wanted to come to is the obligation to stop, you know, i.e. at traffic lights, at stop signs. And you just did a post about stop signs and the concept of actually stopping as a cyclist. I'd love you to just kind of explain where that came from, what your what your stance is. Um, I know this is definitely like, I, I wouldn't actually say that many people will argue against you on this. They might go against what you're saying, but I think most people would agree with the spirit of it. We'll say. And I and and I will go against the spirit of what I'm saying too. Um, uh, yeah, that post was was one that I, I put up a little bit uh, reluctantly, but the the message that I discerned from it, I thought was important enough. Um, what it was was uh, I was out riding with a group of very strong riders. Uh, who were on a ride that was a lot longer than mine. And um, and I was actually just about to pop off and, and head home. Uh, and so uh, essentially what happened was a good friend of mine um, sent me a video, uh, texted me a video uh, that was waiting for me when I got home. And um, and he mentioned that, uh, that he saw us. Uh, he mentioned that he saw a large group of cyclists going through, uh, going through a stop sign, at a four-way stop, um, and uh, and but that one person didn't, and that was and that was me. And and I don't say that in a way to 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 big myself up in in any way. But the thing that struck me about it was that he happened to be in the passenger seat, and his sixteen-year-old um, was out for a practice drive with him, and so he said essentially that this was a teaching moment for him. This was an opportunity to 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 show that that frankly the the laws of or the rules of the road do apply to cyclists, and um, and you know there are times when people don't comply with them. Sometimes, like I've said, it's justified not complying with them. Um, uh, but um, but at least at that time the, the circumstance was such where I was just like, this is one that you stop at, um, and. Uh, and I did, and and it's um, but the whether it's that situation uh, or anyone else, the fact is people are watching us, and we know that because we hear the stories about the scoff loss. You know, I saw cyclists once do X. Um, again, data, data, data. Drivers break the law more than cyclists do. That's a fact. Um, speeding, rolling through stop signs. Those are the the two major ones. Um, but the fact, but human factors, the way that we perceive information is that we look for outliers. And when we see a hundred cars roll through a stop sign, just sort of do that California stop, um, we're not going to remember those hundred cars. We're going to remember the one cyclist who did it. And, you know, again, there are people out there who would say, Ian, you are imposing a higher standard on cyclists and that's not appropriate. And I get that argument. I absolutely get it. Um, but I also know that um, we're ambassadors for cycling when we do it. You know, um, I'm not sure that's right, like right, um, but I do know it's correct. So we need to bear in mind that eyeballs are on us and not just uh, to uh, we need to be mindful of that, not just to avoid getting tickets. But uh, but I think more importantly, to show that we are we do have the same rights to the road as everybody else. And that means by extension, uh, almost invariably the same responsibilities. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly, you know, where I was, I was hoping you would go with it. And I do, like, I do think it is just like such an interesting concept to think of yourself as an ambassador for the sport, no matter what level you're at, no matter, you know, whether you're riding a commuter bike to work or you're, you know, riding in your team kit, actually to that end, like the team kit one is a very interesting one because like, I will admit that I've personally sent a couple of emails to team like owners or like shop owners to be like, Hey, <laughs> yep. If you're going to sell jerseys, you should probably make sure that like people understand some rules and like aren't being complete jerks because, you know, I, I'm an interesting case, right? Because I run a lot. I see some pretty bad behavior on the part of cyclists a lot of the time. And it's, you know. I probably did that a half dozen times too. And I haven't gotten a single response. Do I remember <laughs> which shops those are? Do I remember which club? Darn right I do. Uh, I'm not going to name them, but they're ones you'd know. Yeah. Um, no, we often say like, we get very nervous about the idea of, you know, doing like we've done a couple Jersey orders and we do them within, you know, clients who we know, and we, we trust are, you know, generally good people, but I would get so nervous about just putting jerseys out into the wild because yeah, you just don't really know how people are going to ride. I'm not going to lie that video. Um, I was wearing kit with the name of my business on it, you know, uh, and did that factor into my thinking? Not knowingly, but be pre pretty foolish if it didn't. Yeah, exactly. It would be very odd. Yes. If, if someone wearing a, a jersey pointing out, you know, legal oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, just absolutely. Actively just breaking laws left and right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but to your point about, about bad cyclists, there there are bad cyclists. That's yeah, I mean, bad. same as there, there are drivers. drivers. Pedestrians. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and, and so, the, you know, the best thing, I think that we can do uh, on the roads when we're riding is the same thing that we, this is the best thing we can do when we're driving, which is be predictable, communicate, make sure people know that I am turning here. Um, you, you're not being aggressive, you're being assertive. Again, I know that there are a lot of people whose experience is not the same of mine. I, I'm more than comfortable taking the lane if it needs to happen. Um, and, and I was just talking about a file this morning where someone's being blamed for not taking the lane, uh, that led to a tragic result. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it truly is a catch 22, but, but ultimately be predictable and communicate. And that's why, uh, the tinted window thing is, is the next, uh, dragon I want to slay because the fact that it's almost impossible to make eye contact with with people in certain cars um, and, and that level of tint is legislated. Um, that is, that's, that's a safety hazard. And, and as a result, I think we need to treat it as what it is, which is a public health issue. I think that's so important. It's funny. I was actually just talking to someone at people for bikes for an article about a month ago, and she mentioned the best way to keep yourself protected, especially when you're making a turn is to be making eye contact. It's like the number one way that you can make sure that you're going to be able to make that turn without having an incident. So you're I right. Like driver. I was a bad driver when I was young. I had collisions. Um, but when I started riding, when I started running, I got, I got good fast. And I, and I I started to realize uh, that uh, getting there that thirty seconds earlier just isn't worth it, and and because you realize just how vulnerable you are, um, you can do it as a cyclist. We can do everything right, and it won't matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, the last topic I wanted to hit with you, of course, is like kind of a gnarly one, but uh, you know, we talked about mostly drivers being 
unintentionally crappy. Like we're assuming that most drivers are not out to hit you or intimidate you, but then there is a small category of ones that categorically are. And I think as cyclists, we come into a couple different groups. We have the group of like, I'm going to chase that car down that like buzzed us and like, you know, blue smoke or whatever. You have like the ones that are going to like, you know, I've, I've been not ever in, thankfully, any kind of like physical like altercation, but I've been very close to being like on the sidelines of them a couple of times. And thankfully they didn't escalate like the 1% higher that they needed to, but it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm non, I'm incredibly non-confrontational. So it's always like the most stressful thing in the entire universe, but say there's an aggressive driver situation and they don't just like speed off, like into the sunset where you can't possibly catch them and you couldn't catch a license plate say, I don't know if they've stopped or they're going slow. How do we deal with super aggressive drivers? What's, what is our best move both like legally, but also like intelligently with rule number one in mind. Exactly. This is, this is a classic do as I say, not as I do. Um, because I've been, I've never been in a fight in my life. Um, because you know, when you're a bit bigger, you don't usually have to back up those words. So that's kind of nice. But, but the thing is, is that the, um, again, you're not going to change any minds. It's, it's no different than the person who's riding with, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, say we're in a passenger seat with a friend and a driver does something uh, to the driver of our vehicle, you know, and we all know those people who are like, I'm going to teach them a lesson. No, you are not. You are not going to teach them anything. And, and, uh, you know, we, we, it's again, not only are we mad when when things like that happen, but we're also scared. You know, it's terrifying. It's terrifying being hit. It's terrifying being buzzed. You know, the the example we always use is, you know, if you want to know what it feels like, stand on that yellow strip at a at a train station and turn your back when a train's coming, um, because that's what it feels like as a continuous stream of traffic. Um, but the thing is, is that, like I say, we're not going to change any minds, and if we are dealing with people who are within that, you know, that outside one standard deviation, um, they're not going to be reasonable people. So reasoning with them is not going to work. Uh, they're playing to a crowd or they're um, you know, usually demonstrating their own insecurities or, or whatever. Um, that's something for them to lie on a couch and talk to someone about. That's not something that I'm going to be able to educate them on on the side of the road. If only my actions were consistent with that advice, um, I'd be far better off. But um, but you know what? By sort of by mistake, I really do sort of want to touch on this point that's related to this, and it's I think it's a really really important one. Is that at least in my experience, anecdotally, um, I find that as a rule, drivers are far more courteous than they were even 10 years ago. I find their compliance with the one meter passing law is almost universal. Um, I find that they're generally very respectful. They'll leave you space. They'll do all of those all of those things. But the ones who are bad are worse. Yes, so, I will agree know, with that. It's like everything else in, 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 uh, uh, in society, it seems. You know, there are people who are courteous and there are people who are not. And those who choose not to be are um you know they're just pushing it to the to the extreme margins and uh and so unfortunately we don't we 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 have ways that we think we can identify who these people are 
but we really can't. And and uh, as always, you know, when you're when you're mouthing off to somebody uh, who's who's done you wrong on the road, you don't know what you're dealing with. And um, I don't know if I mentioned rule one earlier, but uh, but that's a rule that I like to use. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And that comes into play here, too. Yeah. Remembering that they have a, you know, several ton thing to back them up and you've got your 18 pound carbon fiber thing and you're in very mm -hmm. slippery shoes. Um, and God knows what else they have. <laughs> yeah. Also that. Now, are you a fan of like, if you can get the license plate, do you, what's your thought on like actually like reporting them? Because I. Report till the cows come home. I, mm -hmm. I encourage that from, from everyone. When I was actually struck, I did everything wrong. You know, again, you're in the position where you, you um, you know, again, it's different when you're there in the moment and the endorphins are going. Um, but report everything. Report no data. Um, if you report something uh, without independent witnesses and and typically know the the buddy that you're riding with doesn't count, um, then uh, you know it's not like anybody's going to get ticketed. But a lot of police forces will send letters and they will say you were observed driving dangerously. Um, to, you know, to at least send the message that people notice. Um, again, is that likely to affect the behavior of those types of people? Probably not. Um, but um, data, data is a weapon when we're going and we're making those sorts of, of uh, advocacy presentations. The, you know, we want to be able to present information that simply can't be argued with. And if it is argued with, Sometimes we have to just say we're dealing with irrational people, mm -hmm. um, but but all we can do is be be our best. Yeah, and I always kind of try to future think that if I you know I have been in the situation where I have reported a you know license plate number, and I always think of it as like that person's probably going to kill someone at some point. Yeah, and I really hope there's a record of you know people that have called in and said like, hey, this guy is doing this because I think that's probably going to help a lot in the, you know, in that situation when that, you know, tragic thing inevitably does happen because that's of that person. Excellent point. A really excellent point. I do that with, uh, you know, if I see bad sidewalks or something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll write the city. I'll write the city and I'll say this, you know, this is terrible. Um, does it matter to me that day? No. Will that report possibly make a big difference to somebody in three months when it doesn't get any attention paid to it? Quite possibly. So, um, but again, this all reflects back on on an overall theme, which is just, you know, we got to learn to take care of each other. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and that applies to how we treat motorists. It applies to how we give way to pedestrians. It, it, it applies to how we ride on mixed-use trails. Uh, all of those things, um, you know, it's maybe naive, but uh, I'm going to go to my reward without ever changing my tune on that. We need to, we need to be kinder and uh, we need to give one another a break. Yes. Could not agree more. Um, and, oh, before we wrap up last time you were on, we actually had like a, a really great ID card that we made after oh, that people great. could download. So we're going to put that back in the show notes because that's a really interesting little like PDF that you can print out. And it has, sort of all of like the things that you want to know, the steps you want to follow. If you are involved in any kind of accident, it's just kind of got that point by point things to remember because in the moment, as we talked about, common sense out the window. You're a little shocky, your heart rate's high. Um, it's really hard to think about, you know, license plate, witness statements, pictures of your bike, pictures of you, any of that stuff in the moment, just all whoosh, is gone. Don't 
document everything. And the one thing that people always miss, uh, if I have somebody answer in the affirmative to this question, um, it's a one in a hundred thing. And it sounds like common sense. But if some, you know, they all say, oh, there's this nice person who helped me. They made sure that I was, out, you know, out of the way and, and uh, you know, got me a blanket and all that. Did you get their name? No. Never, you know, because you're not thinking that way, right? Right, and, right. And, and if they are identified, it's because that person made a point of identifying themselves and saying, if you need me, here's how to get get a hold of me. So, so yeah, it, it's, uh, and lots of, there are lots of different ways to get that information out there. That that sheet is just, is just another one. Uh, lots of um, auto insurers give their insurance those. There are other lawyers who've been giving those sorts of things out for, for years. And um, is it marketing? Sure, it's marketing. But at the end of the day, if it helps somebody, it helps somebody. And, exactly. and you know, I just, uh, you know, I am lucky uh, in that I don't need to, to chase uh, to chase work um, and, and that, uh, you know, you know, being having been in this game for a while, um, I want to see less of it. You know, yeah. I really do. I want to feed my kids. I want to put them through school, but I don't want to get those calls. Mm -hmm. And and it, and it happens with shocking uh, regularity. And so um, I guess the thing is people with jobs like mine, we're on the reaction side. You know, we're on the something terrible has happened. Now what? Um, I, I want our cities and our uh, elected officials to say, how do we keep these things from happening in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, Ian, this has been so informative, so instructive. I'm so glad we got to do this again. Let everyone know where they can find you, where they can kind of follow along. And I know on Instagram, you're always posting tons of great intel and hot takes, I'll say. <laughs> so okay. share all the things. No, no. I And I got to say, Molly, you're, you're such a good interviewer and so good at, at touching on those things. You know, as you're answering questions, you can't help but bring out helpful stuff because you're you know, you're, you're such an, an informed questioner and, and it's, it's so nice when it's not a question and answer, it's a conversation. So, um, I, anytime I'm, I, I love this. It's, it's it, first and foremost, it's, you know, it's fun. Um, hmm. and I always Agreed. appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, as we've now started calling it the social network formerly known as Twitter. Um, it's, it's, it's practically become its name. Um, uh, it, the handle is at Velo Law CA, uh, and that's universal across the board. Um, the website is VeloLaw.ca. Um, it's just getting uh, just getting rebuilt. Uh, so I'm looking. I can't wait. I just got the uh, the web designer reaching out to me today, and I feel like you with your new bathroom. I'm just like oh, <laughs> I was going to say, you've got that going on digitally. Oh. I've got some physical renos happening. It's all happening for us. I can't wait to see it. So, <laughs> but in any event, if you go there, there there is a link to to be able to contact me. Um, the socials is 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 always good because I'm on there far more than I should be. Oh my gosh, tell me about it. I actually just put some some limits on my Instagram to get me to stop. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, I hope it goes better for you than it has for me. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, Ian. This has been awesome and you're welcome back anytime. Oh, it's truly my pleasure. Thanks so much, Molly. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. 
If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 